is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your nxt stand and deliver 2022 post show i am jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your saturday afternoons wherever you may be I know a lot of people are still upset that the old NXT is now long gone, never to return again under the WWE banner. Triple H came out tonight and we saw the final beating heart of what is the black and gold NXT. Triple H came out tonight. After Tommaso Ciampa lost what I thought was a very good match with my boy Tony D'Angelo, Tony D. Ciampa was on the stage, on the ramp, and all of a sudden we hear Triple H's theme music go off. And out comes Triple H for the first time in front of an NXT crowd since his cardiac event embraced Tommaso Ciampa. They hugged. Both men overly emotional, tears in their eyes, tears in my eyes, because I know what NXT black and gold meant to not only me, but to all of you as well. An absolutely surreal moment. Maybe one of the best moments of the entire year, never mind this week. But I'm here to tell you that NXT 1.0, the black and gold, is still somehow alive. Now it's in the hands of Tony Khan. Now it is called Ring of Honor. And you got that last night. I don't really care where it's done, but the vibe and the feel of what NXT 1.0 was, was alive and well last night in Garland, Texas at Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. NXT tonight, man, you know, I've been very hard on NXT 2.0, and rightfully so. Nobody's going to ever accept this this brand as what it is right now. There's a lot to like as far as talent. There's talent that's there, man. Carmelo Hayes. Everybody in that ladder match, pretty much. Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller is a fucking psychopath. Cameron Grimes, Legado Del Fantasma, Santos Escobar. I love Santos Escobar. He is absolutely primed and ready for a main roster run. If they want to book him, man, they got their next Mexican superstar right there, man. Seriously. 
when Rey Mysterio goes bye-bye, Santos Escobar should be the guy. There's no fucking question about that. The guy is incredible. He speaks great English. He's fantastic in the ring. And I just think he's got everything that there needs to be. He's the total package as far as talent in WWE. Cameron Grimes is another one, like I said. There's a lot to like about the brand. Tony D'Angelo, Braun Breaker, he's still rough around the edges. But you got to appreciate and respect Braun Breaker's work ethic, man. Then there's a lot not to like about NXT. The colors, the whole vibe, it's very Monday Night Raw-esque. It's basically Monday Night Raw on Tuesday nights. Two to three minute matches. There's only a specific group of people that are going to give you the old school vibe of what NXT used to be as far as an in-ring product. Everything feels so main roster. Everything feels so main roster. Even the crowd tonight, man, this was not, and and I've been saying this for weeks, months. That NXT crowd at the Performance Center is not the original Full Sail crowd. I don't know who the fuck these people are. I don't know where they came from. I don't know what their deal is. But they are the most casual and nauseating fans you could possibly find about a product anywhere. They are nauseating. Cringe, almost. Tonight, or today, the crowd was very lukewarm. Nobody was really over as far as talent is concerned. Only Champa. Champ is the only one on this show that was still black and gold. And Walter. Gunther. The crowd tonight was very lukewarm, man. And, and it's sad to see because you guys know, you guys felt all those takeover crowds. You guys felt all those different takeovers that we've been a part of, lucky to be a part of. It did not even come close to resembling what a takeover crowd should be. Now, this wasn't even a takeover. This was just a standard NXT show. This was a very telling show. And by that alone, the crowd was going to be the most telling thing of all. WWE finally took NXT on the road outside of the Performance Center for the first time since the pandemic. It was probably their best NXT 2.0 production. But there is a clear sign, there is a clear sign amongst... Now now listen, you know, I am in the minority here. I am a vocal voice on social media. I see it, I hear it, I feel it, I watch it, I know it, I see my own analytics. Nobody is going to appreciate, nobody is going to take to this new vision of NXT so soon after the original NXT was done as dirty as it was by WWE management. This crowd, this feel, this vibe, NXT 1.0 was something completely different. And now all of, all of what you've done here for NXT 2.0 is basically take what we are digesting on Monday and Friday night and now producing it on Tuesday night And you expect us to just say fuck 1.0 and embrace what you're doing. There's a reason why NXT was created and it was a true alternative to what WWE was doing. Clearly, WWE did not want the alternative. WWE wants all their brands to be cut and dry, the same fucking thing with the same feeling on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. 
Meanwhile, what we got tonight was a stripped-down version of an NXT show that did not need to be on Saturday afternoon, hours before night one of WrestleMania. WWE would have done so much better by keeping this in full sale, or not full, I wish, at the Performance Center. WWE would have done so much better by keeping this in the Performance Center and giving us a stripped-down version of what we saw tonight on Tuesday. That's where it belongs. It did not feel like it needed to be in the American Airlines arena. It did not sound like it deserved to be in the American Airlines arena. And nobody really showed any overwhelming interest for anything on this show outside of saying goodbye to Tommaso Ciampa and all the contributions he did for NXT 1.0. There's a reason why NXT 2.0 is not succeeding the way WWE wants it to succeed. And their vision is very skewed. I was told NXT 2.0 was going to make the way for the future. Meanwhile, Dolph Ziggler is still the WWE NXT champion. And Mandy Rose is still the NXT women's champion. Two main roster acts. Some future you got there in Dolph Ziggler and Mandy Rose. Man, I've never seen them before. Strapping the rocket pack to people that are already veteran status in WWE. It's not really doing any favors for NXT 2.0 either. When you got two main roster talents holding both singles titles in NXT. Show could have been a lot better just based on giving it that NXT feel. But WWE feels like the main roster feel, the main roster vibe that we get on Monday and Friday is a necessity on now Tuesday night. It's the one overwhelming fact that I got from this entire show. Gunther and L.A. Knight. Hard-hitting match. Quick. Very fast-paced. Main roster feel. Braun Breaker and Dolph Ziggler. Main roster feel. The women's match. Main roster feel. Basic fatal four-way. Basic fatal four-way. Tag team title match. Triple threat. Basic triple threat match. Nothing out of the ordinary there. Nothing. The ladder match. It is very difficult to be creative in a multi-man ladder match. I love all the talents that were in that match. But they didn't do anything groundbreaking in that match. Everything that we saw in that ladder match, basically you'd see done on the main roster. Overbooked, couple of high spots, couple of ladder bumps. Same old, same old with the ladder match. Not to take away from anything that those guys did in that match, but everything felt main roster. There was more plugs for the main roster on this show via promo packages and video packages than any other NXT show that I've ever witnessed in my entire time watching NXT. Everything about the show was main roster. And I feel that is the one thing that is really harming the brand as far as fan interest. An alternative is what we wanted. Now our alternative is AEW and Ring of Honor. You want that NXT 1.0 vibe, you're getting it in Ring of Honor. There's a reason people aren't watching anybody talking about NXT, caring about NXT, while you're not watching yourself NXT. It's because it's all the same shit. And that's how I feel about it. We're going to go over why Braun Breaker lost his title match tonight. We're going to go over why Cameron Grimes won his North American championship after the story they've been telling with him. Mandy Rose is still the NXT Women's Champion. Why? Everybody thought Cora Jade was going to win the NXT Women's Championship. There's a reason 
why Mandy Rose is still your NXT Women's Champion. And what happens to LA Knight after he got his ass handed to him by Gunther tonight? We're going to talk about it all right here on Off The Script. I appreciate you guys joining me on your Wednesday. Not Wednesday. I wish it was Wednesday. Saturday. I don't even know what fucking day it is. Saturday afternoon. Right here for your WrestleMania weekend. Hit that thumbs up, guys. Hit that thumbs up. I'm so excited about Wednesday. I'm already thinking about Samoa Joe being on AEW Dynamite. And the Bucks versus FTR, man. Oh, my goodness. Can't wait. But we got Cody Rhodes showing up tonight, man. How many of you guys think Cody Rhodes is showing up tonight? How many of you guys think WWE is actually going to fuck us over? Maybe it's The Undertaker. I don't know. He says, never say never. He's got one more match in him. Is it going to be Taker versus Rollins tonight? I don't know. Where's Shane McMahon at? Show me the money, bro. Show me the money. Then WWE could show everybody heading for the fucking exits if Shane McMahon is showing up to wrestle Seth Rollins. Anyway, guys, thank you so very much. Hit that thumbs up. I got 455 likes on the live stream right now. We got 1,400 for this early Saturday afternoon. There should be at least... A thousand minimum on the live stream. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We got a couple of bombs already. We'll go over them at the end of the show. If you guys want to get in on the Super Chat party, you guys can certainly do that. Let me know what you guys thought of NXT Stand and Deliver this afternoon. Join the VIP club, man. We got 500 plus members in the VIP club. Hit that join button and become a channel member today, man. Awesome, awesome stuff. You guys get those emotes in the chat. You could use them in the live streams. You could use them on the comment section. You guys get those badges next to your name as well to show off your VIP status. And I sent out a members only uh, post today on YouTube. You guys got access to the OTS Discord. So make sure you guys hit up that uh, that VIP club and hit that join button, man. Great time happening in the VIP section. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications as always. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, including last night's Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor post show, man. We got 2,100 in the venue I'm so glad I covered that over SmackDown last night. Oh, my goodness. What a show. That live stream is up. We got a couple of extras. We got Wednesday's Dynamite. We got Tuesday's NXT. We got Monday's Raw. There's a ton of content on the channel. Go and check all that stuff out. I will be live tonight for WrestleMania Night 1. It's going to be, hopefully... A very entertaining show. I can only hope. But I'll be live in the venue as always for WrestleMania Night 1 and the post-show live stream. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. You guys can sign up using our link and you're going to get 30 days free of their service and one free audiobook of your choice. That's AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the post show right here for NXT on Off the Scripts. 
Let's start at the top, man. We got a pre-show that happened. And the women's tag team championships were on the line. Toxic Attraction. This is JC Jane and Gigi Dolan defending the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. WWE held a Dusty Cup. WWE held a Women's Dusty Cup tournament where the winners normally are the number one contenders for the Women's Tag Team Championships. It's the reason why the fucking tournament was even created for the women. This has been a staple every year for the last several years on the men's side in NXT. WWE wasted our entire time going through an entire tournament. The winners were Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray, who were in the women's championship match with Cora Jade and Mandy Rose tonight. You're probably asking yourself, well, JD, if they won the women's tag team Dusty Cup, why are they in a championship match for Mandy Rose's singles women's championship? Because Bruce Pritchard is the most illogical human being writing a pro wrestling show. He decided that it would make more sense for the tag team to be split up and get a women's championship match against Mandy Rose instead of putting them in a tag team title match against Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon and management in NXT ultimately killed any credibility the Dusty Women's Cup has from this point on. Completely illogical booking. And nobody seems to give a shit about it because I haven't heard anybody in the community mention it or complain about it in any sense of the word. JC Jane and Gigi Dolan instead defended the titles against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. They had a history for a little bit. They were the first women's tag team champions. Raquel Gonzalez was taken out by Toxic Attraction, so it only made sense for her to come back and team up with Dakota Kai and get revenge. Dakota Kai also had her problem with Toxic Attraction as they took out their, uh, or I guess her friend, their friend, Wendy Chu. Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai were tag team partners in the Dusty Cup. She was taken out on Tuesday, and I'll get into that in just a second because she did play a factor in this match. Now, The pre-show was cringe. Everything about the pre-show was cringe, man. The empty crowd started to piss me off because they were on the air at 12 noon Eastern time and people were just, I'm assuming, from a long night of partying, just waking up and going to the fucking American Airlines arena. It pissed me off to see a barely at all filled arena and they were planning to have a tag team title match on this show. That pissed me off, number one. Number two, the theme music for NXT, which is another thing that really grinds my gears, man. The theme music for NXT used to be so good, man. It used to be underground, hard rock, and metal bands. Triple H even got fucking Slipknot to do some of the NXT uh, takeover themes. Slipknot was the main theme for a long time for NXT on, on television on Wednesday nights on the WWE Network. Now we got this generic fucking garbage... Whatever the fuck they got playing, this was one of the worst show themes that I've ever heard, period, in WWE, in a very long time. Whatever this theme was was terrible. They kept playing it all through the pre-show, all through the pre-show, all through the video packages, all through the main show. 
And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Now you want to know why people aren't interested in NXT. You changed it and the cool factor of it. You stripped it down from what it was, man. Dark and grungy and gritty to this fucking bullshit that we see. And you want to know why people aren't watching. So like I said, I even put it in my notes. The colors, the vibe inside the smaller WWE Performance Center. I understand it. I get the vibe, the colors, the whole, the whole, the whole shtick inside the performance center, but to see it in a larger venue with all the colors and the bright lights and all this shit, it's another story completely, man. You know, this is pretending to be a takeover. It's not a takeover. It's pretending to be a takeover on this larger scale. And I always prefer the darker, grungier look of Triple H's NXT. Remember when we used to watch TakeOver and, and the arena was dark and the spotlight was just on everybody that was in the ring? I missed that. That worked. That was NXT. They ultimately changed everything to make everything feel like exactly what you see on Monday and Friday night. And I keep going back to that because that's the fucking vibe we get. I guess some people don't like the darkness and the grunginess and the grittiness of it. That's what I look at when I watch professional wrestling But that's what made the brand stand out. That's what made the brand different from what we were watching. It made the brand cool. We don't get that anymore. This match was rather forgettable. Nothing happened in this match that I really even bothered to take notes on. This easily could have been on Tuesday's show. Don't know why they did this on the pre-show. Pre-show only needed to be a half an hour. They went one fucking hour with the pre-show talking about God knows what. Brillo head over there. Sam Roberts, who shaved his head bald, now he's fucking cue ball head, Sam Roberts, acting like a fucking geek on the pre-show. This could have easily been on Tuesday's show. This did not need to be on the pre-show for Stand and Deliver. I thought it would have been a hotter crowd even on Tuesday compared to this. Very lukewarm. Nobody seemed to care about anything that was going on here. Wendy Chu. I mentioned Wendy Chu there making Wendy Chu out to be NXT's Orange Cassidy, per se. Wendy Chu teamed with Dakota Kai in the Women's Dusty Cup. She was beaten by Toxic Attraction last week on Tuesday. We saw her pajamas, her sippy cup, and her pillow defluffed. It was cut, and all the feathers and the plush were taken out of the pillow. And this was all laid in the back. Well, that's all you've seen in the back. Wendy Chu, where is she? She got beat up by toxic attraction. Tonight, she reappeared and caused a distraction by throwing orange soda in the face of Gigi Dolan while she was outside towards the end of this match. This led to JC Jane then turning her back on the challengers, yelling at Wendy Chu, calling her a freak. She turned around into a two-on-one situation from Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Gonzalez then legally tagged in, gave Jane her one-handed powerbomb finish, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez are the new NXT Women's Champions. It's pretty much it. Again, nothing here was all that impressive. A rather forgettable match. People are just waking up and WWE wants to do title changes on the pre-show. And nobody even knows NXT is fucking on. I question... What WWE does with their tag team championships as far as the women's division is concerned. And I mention this, and again, I don't really see people complaining about it. 
Why do we need women's tag team championships? Is there a reason that the women need tag team championships? Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, two women that are more than ready for the main roster, unless Toxic Attraction is getting called up to the main roster. I have no idea. That's what I initially thought while watching this show. I'm like, well, J.C. Jane and Gigi Dolan just lost the tag team championships. There's no way that Mandy Rose is walking out as women's champion. They may end up calling up Toxic Attraction to the main roster. That's what I initially thought. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai are both ready for the main roster. I was surprised to see them win here. I really was. But my question to everybody is, what is the difference between Toxic Attraction and Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez? You got new champions, and what does that mean for the tag team championships? It means nothing. You basically took the titles off of one team to put them on the other team, and yet the company and the division and the brand all remain in the same spot. There are no other tag teams for NXT to put against its champion, no matter who the champions are. What are we doing? What are we doing with the Women's Tag Team Championships? I honestly said this from day fucking one. No need. You don't need to expand on any women's wrestling by adding more championships. The more titles you add, the less valuable they'll become because NXT cut a lot from their women's roster. There's no legit tag teams. If you had a tag team division, I wouldn't be here sitting and complaining about its fucking titles. You don't. Toxic Attraction and this team of Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai that was randomly paired together because you had nobody else for J.C. Jane and G.G. Dolan. Enough is enough. Retire the titles. Get rid of them. Doesn't need to be a thing. But here we are. Here we are. So I ask again, what is now the plan by putting the titles on somebody else when ultimately you're in the same position as you were in with them being on Toxic Attraction? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. So we go from that into the North American Championship ladder match. This was a match I was looking forward to most. Santos Escobar, Grayson Waller, Cameron Grimes, Carmelo Hayes, and my boy Solo Sikawa. He is the brother of Jimmy and Jay Uso. Escobar and Waller made their entrances right during the end of the pre-show. I don't know why. So Waller and Escobar make their entrances during the pre-show. Then all of a sudden, WWE cuts into this nauseating Charlotte Flair and Ronda Drowsy. Ronda Drowsy. Oh, I'm going to the main event of, uh, of WrestleMania. You know, they told me to say that I'm in the main event of WrestleMania. But I am the co-main event because Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and Kevin Owens are closing night one. Ronda Drowsy. A nauseating Charlotte Flair and Ronda Drowsy video package. While Escobar and Waller made their fucking entrances on the pre-show. And then we go into the main entrance, or the main intro, for Stand and Deliver... And then we see everybody else making their entrance. Solo Sokoa never even got a fucking entrance. And he's in a five-way ladder match for the second most prestigious title in the entire brand. Solo Sokoa didn't even get an entrance. 
What a weird fucking way to do things. You couldn't have these guys make their way out on the main show? You were that much strapped for time that Santos Escobar, Grayson Waller, and Solo Sokoa couldn't get a fucking entrance on the main show. Very weird how they did things tonight. Cameron Grimes had a very cool rocket CGI entrance, CGI graphic on the stage that went all the way up on the Titantron, smoke coming out from underneath it. They really did send him to the moon. Cameron Grimes. They really did send him to the moon tonight. Carmelo Hayes got his usual entrance with Trick Williams. Nothing special there. The bell rang. Carmelo Hayes, right at the bell, was yelling at all four guys, saying that he gave them all this opportunity, these mellowfication matches to qualify for this ladder match. If you guys have been watching NXT, none of them deserve the North American title, he says. Everyone took turns getting a chance in the ring. We saw everyone mix it up a little at the top with everybody. Grimes and Escobar, Hayes and Solo, Grimes and Hayes. Carmelo went and wanted a ladder. Sent Trick Williams to go get a ladder, but uh, Legato Del Fantasma was on the outside. They stopped him. Grayson Waller had his big muscle there, Sangha, right? The big Indian guy, Sangha, is there. And he had Sangha go up the aisleway and grab him a huge ladder from the ramp. Everyone took turns doing dives over the top. Sakawa onto Sangha. Escobar with an absolutely beautiful torpedo dive on Solo. Grimes and Hayes followed with dives of their own. Waller said, screw it. I'm not diving onto everybody. He was the smart guy. He said, fuck the dive. I'm setting up this ladder and I'm climbing up to the top to grab the title. So Solo comes back into the ring. Because, you know, everybody during these ladder matches, they got to have a little rest period on the outside. So Solo, Solo comes back in. He trapped Waller in the corner with a ladder. And then he set Hayes, or sent Hayes, first a face first into the ladder with Waller still trapped against the turnbuckle. Same thing to Escobar. He then, with all three of these guys trapped behind a ladder wall, he does a big splash running from corner to corner onto the ladder and onto these guys. I don't know if that had any effect on the three guys. It looked like it hurt Solo Sokoa more than it did the other three guys that were behind the ladders. He tried to climb up first, and he was stopped by Cameron Grimes. Solo Sokol was stopped by Cameron Grimes. Grimes and Hayes then went at it for a bit, and Grimes clotheslined Hayes with a ladder, turning him inside out. That was a nice, cool spot. Grimes was then taken out by Escobar as he was laying in the corner, and Escobar crotched him with the ladder, but pretty much took the ladder that was standing sideways on the mat and shoved it right into his crotch. So Escobar tried to climb, and he was given a cutter off the ladder by Waller. Hayes with a springboard clothesline to Waller, knocking him off the ladder. Very nice spot there by Carmelo Hayes. He tried to do the same thing to Solo Sokoa, but Solo gave him a super kick to the chance of Uso. Now, in what was the craziest spot in this match, up until this point, by the way, there was a craziest spot towards the end of the match, in the craziest spot of the match up until this point, Escobar and Solo were up top on the ladder. Escobar then climbs up the ladder. He floats over the ladder. And in an unreal spot, an absolutely devastating sunset flip on Solo off the ladder 
on top of a ladder that was propped up in the corner down below. This was incredible. Waller came back into the ring. He tried to climb. He was stopped by Trick Williams, and Sangha took him out. And the sh- this was a cool spot. Sangha came in. The ladder was propped up, right? Trick Williams is there trying to get the ladder. Sangha comes in, and the support beams that hold up the ladder, he chopped both support beams, ripped the ladder in half, and started using each half of the ladder as a weapon. So now we're getting the secondary players, all the managers and the muscle, getting into the match. This started to become an overbooked mess here. So Sangha took out Trick Williams, destroyed the ladder, ripped it in half. Electra Lopez and Legado del Fantasma came in to take Sangha out. This broke down into chaos. It completely deviated away from all five guys that were actually in the match. Lopez then did an assisted springboard crossbody onto Waller, onto the outside. All of a sudden, we got the secondary acts now all getting involved here. It was focused primarily on them. And like I said, it started to feel like an overbooked mess. I really think it started to take away from the guys that were actually in this match. I did not like that at all. I know they want to get everybody over. They want to give everybody a little shine, but the match is not about them. The match is not about them at all. Trick Williams interferes again. This time, the ladder's up, and he actually climbs, and he's got a, a th- this phobia of heights. If there's one thing that Trick Williams and I are, you know, in common with, we have phobias of heights. I can't stand heights, man. I can't fly. I hate flying. I fly when I have to, but I can't stand flying. I don't go on roller coasters. I don't go on Ferris wheels. I don't, I don't do anything, man. I don't do anything like that that needs me to leave the ground. So he's up there. He's afraid of climbing the ladder, and he's trying to grab the title. Grimes dumps him over the top rope, and Williams goes sailing to the outside. Waller now climbs the ladder. His fingertips away. He actually touches the title. Escobar stops him with a super Frankensteiner off the ladder. Man, I love Escobar. Escobar is great. Sokoa then spears Escobar. Grimes gives Sokoa a cave-in on a ladder bridge. There's these two ladders that are propped from the apron and the barricade on the outside. He does a cave-in on the ladder bridge to Sokoa. Waller with this crazy spot. Like I said, the sunset flip by Escobar was the craziest spot up until this spot. Waller, all of a sudden, he climbs up this huge fucking ladder. He stands up on the top of the ladder, man. He's just dangling up top. He drops this fucking elbow drop. He goes through the ladder bridge. I believe Carmelo Hayes was on the ladder bridge with Trick Williams. They moved out of the way, and he goes crashing elbow first into the edge of the ladder onto the fucking mats on the outside. I'm surprised that Grayson Waller did not fucking tear a ligament or break his arm. It looked fucking ridiculous, man. And, I, you know, I, 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 was, I was guilty of comparing Grayson Waller just in act to The Miz. And it looks like Grayson Waller is going to be that social media reality guy who wants the, the internet fame and all this other shit like The Miz. Grayson Waller is fucking leagues beyond what The Miz can do in the ring, man. So if that and the comparison of The Miz just are based on their, their shtick and their gimmick, fine. But Grayson Waller is a crazy... Son of a bitch. If this is any indication about what we may get with him in the future, man, and he's not afraid to take shit like that and risks like that, I'm going to actually become a fan of Grayson Wall. That shit was impressive. You don't need to do that type of shit. 
Now, I don't know if he's going to be allowed to do that on the main roster, but you better enjoy it now. You better enjoy it now. I thought that was a crazy fucking spot by Grayson Waller, man. Excellent stuff there. In the ring, after all this chaos on the outside, Escobar gives Hayes a phantom driver. That's his finishing move. Grimes out of nowhere, leaps off the top rope with a cave-in on Escobar. Grimes then climbs the ladder, and this is his moment for his father, for his family, to honor his father who passed away a couple years ago. He wins the North American Championship, and Cameron Grimes tastes his first NXT gold. Awesome ladder match, man. Really fucking fun ladder match. I'm not going to even compare it to the inaugural North American ladder match that's included Adam Cole and Ricochet and Lars Sullivan and EC3, Killian Dane, and the Velveteen Dream. But this was fun. This was a great way to open the show. Lots of high spots. It's very difficult to be creative in these types of ladder matches. I thought all the, all these guys killed it. The one takeaway from it, and, you know, Sanga, the muscle for, for Grayson Waller, he looked great. And I think that is the reason why they wanted to do it. Trick Williams looked like a geek, and Electro Lopez got a nice little spot, but, you know, it, it was too long. There was a lot of time allotted to all of the extras on the outside, Legato and Electro Lopez and Sanga and Trick Williams getting their shine on this match. It absolutely, I, I get why they absolutely did it, but... It also took away from the five guys that were originally scheduled to be in this match. It almost felt like a fucking 10-man, 11-man ladder match. So that's the only takeaway that I would say is negative about this. Other than that, I don't have a problem with Cameron Grimes winning the North American Championship. It's nice to see him finally getting his just deserved there. And Carmelo Hayes did very well with that title. It makes me wonder. WWE is incredibly high on Carmelo Hayes. It makes me wonder what Carmelo Hayes does now. Do we see do we see Carmelo Hayes go after the NXT championship? Is he the one to take down Dolph Ziggler? Or is Carmelo Hayes going to get fast tracked to the main roster because Shawn Michaels praises this man up and down left and right. He's the next pet project of Shawn Michaels in NXT. Do we see Carmelo Hayes on the main roster? Is he ready for the main roster? I don't know. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think about that but the new North American champion at Cameron Grimes. Fun match. Great way to open the show. Crowd was into it. And it was relatively close to what we get to an NXT match. With all five of these guys, there was chaos. There was an overbooked main roster feel to it. Everything worked in this match, and all five guys killed it. Cameron Grimes is the new North American champion. Tony D'Angelo. He was there with AJ Galante against Tommaso Ciampa. They showed a very emotional video package on the big screen highlighting Tommaso Ciampa's entire NXT run, magical NXT run in NXT 1.0. When people want to talk about the greatest NXT champion of all time, man, you can give me Samoa Joe, you can tell me Finn Balor, you can say Shinsuke Nakamura, the greatest NXT champion of all time is Tommaso Ciampa, bar none. Nobody better. Nobody better. He made that championship the most sought-after title in the entire company. Tommaso Ciampa did. And I got a little teary-eyed just watching and hearing Ciampa talk and seeing all the, the memories, the flashbacks of these great promos he used to cut and all these scenes from NXT 1.0, man. I didn't, I, you know, I said it to a couple of people on social media. I didn't think I was going to get emotional. 
during during this match because more than likely Champa is going to be on the main roster. That's the part I get emotional about. How great he is and how great he has been to NXT ultimately to be wasted away under main roster management. Tommaso Champa deserves a lot better than that. But I did get a little teary-eyed watching and listening to this video package while he came out. Tony D'Angelo showed up in the arena driving a Cadillac into the garage. He was accompanied by AJ Galante. Don't know where AJ Galante is from. They mentioned some Netflix show that he's a part of. But he was there and he was accompanying Mr. D'Angelo to the ring for his match with Tommaso Ciampa. Tony D'Angelo, by the way, his tracksuit tonight was fucking beautiful, man. Black and gold. He really looked like a fucking mob boss with that tracksuit that he was wearing tonight, man. Love it. Match started off pretty physical right from the start. Both guys getting a little offense on each other. And D'Angelo escaped to the outside of the ring. He lured Champa back into the ring to take a little bit of the advantage and swing it his way. That did not last long. Champa regained the advantage. Two huge running knees to Tony D'Angelo's face. In the corner, threw him to the outside. Did the third knee to his face on the outside right in front of the people sitting front row. He then celebrated by doing his signature pat on the back for the very last time in NXT, man. The last time we will see the pat on the back and the frantic clapping by Tommaso Ciampa on an NXT program. Ciampa then did what he did with Johnny Gargano in all those classic matches, man. That street fight, that no-holds-barred match that they had, right? That unsanctioned match. He pulled up the mat, the black mat on the outside, and it revealed the concrete floor. Typical Tommaso Ciampa. Back in the ring, it wasn't used yet. That would come into play later in the match. Back in the ring, D'Angelo took advantage. Butterfly suplex into the first pinfall for him during this match. He then slowed the match down with a headlock. Ciampa got his second wind. Multiple clotheslines. Ciampa went for fairy tale ending here. And he went for the air raid crash. D'Angelo countered both the air raid crash and the fairy tale uh, ending. And he tried to do a cheap leverage pin by hooking Champa's tights behind the referee's back. So Champa went for a quick pinfall of his own, and he did the same thing to D'Angelo and tried to hook D'Angelo's tights in a pinfall of his own. Champa then was throwing chops. He ripped uh, Tony D'Angelo's wife beater off. He exposed Tony's chest, and he put D'Angelo up top. He went for an avalanche air raid crash to Tommaso Champa. D'Angelo escaped. He jumped off the top. Champa, he jumps up with a huge rising knee, and Tony D eats a big rising knee from Tommaso Champa. Both guys continue to go back and forth. Nobody getting the advantage. Tony D'Angelo got desperate. He he crawls to the corner, and in between where the ring is and that that little slit in the steel steps, right near the ring post, he goes into there and he grabs out a steel crowbar. So the crowbar, who put it there? I don't know. What, what is it doing there? I don't know. Steel crowbar there. Referee saw it. Referee immediately took it from Tony D. And behind the referee's back, Tony D with a low blow on Tommaso Ciampa. D'Angelo was pissed that he was not able to use the crowbar. So he goes to the outside. He goes to the timekeeper's area, yelling at all the people out there. And he walked back into the ring. And Ciampa met him with Widow's Bell and a fairy tale ending. Two of Champa's signature moves, and Tony D kicks out. Champa then applies a Gargano escape with chance of Johnny wrestling in Dallas for Tommaso Champa. 
Champa's attempt with the mat being pulled up. Remember what he did earlier in the match. He's on the outside. The mat's still exposed. He wanted to use it. It backfired against him. Tony D with an implant DDT on Tommaso Champa on the exposed concrete. Rolled him back in the ring. A stiff boot to the face. Goes for the cover, and Tony D gets the victory over Tommaso Champa. A little lackluster in the ending. I don't think the boot was necessary. If you wanted to just end it on the DDT and roll him in the ring and pin him, I think that would have been enough. I actually think the kick to the face took away from the ending because the DDT was all you needed, really. Either way, Tony D'Angelo gets the victory here over Tommaso Champa. Probably the best match that Tony D wrestled. It was either this or Pete Dunne. And he's getting better and better in the ring, which is a great thing to see. I, I love the gimmick. And I'm a little biased towards it because I, I love the, the stereotypes and I love the way he carries the character. He's going to be a big deal. And I could see him winning that North American Championship from Cameron Grimes, no question. I think it's time we start building up Tony D to a mid-card or a secondary championship in NXT. I think it's time for him to kind of get to that next level. Tommaso Ciampa. After Tony D left the ring, Ciampa stood in the ring. Chance of thank you, Champa rang out in Dallas. He was on his knees. He kissed the mat. He walked out of the ring and up the ramp. And all of a sudden, when he gets to the curtain, Triple H's theme music hits and Triple H comes out to a standing ovation. He walks up to Champa. They hug. They embrace. And they got tears in their eyes. And everybody giving Tommaso Champa one final send-off with Papa H standing there right next to him. I would be lying to you if I said I did not get emotional during this, man. I absolutely 100% teared up during this segment. This was amazing. And everybody knows how important the black and gold was to me. It honestly revitalized my passion for... A lot of things. It revitalized my passion for pro wrestling. I was kind of in a very in-between place with pro wrestling, man. AEW really wasn't around yet. And WWE was putting on some really terrible television. All we had to rely on was NXT on Wednesday night at one hour. Every one of those takeover shows, man, it hit me right here. And Tommaso Ciampa was a part of the greatest run in NXT history. When he was the NXT champion and he won the NXT championship and he had his feud with Johnny Gargano, that was NXT at its absolute best. It never seen the heights of that since that all came to an end. I loved everything that Tommaso Ciampa did. You want to talk about the greatest heel in WWE? When Tommaso Ciampa was calling himself the greatest sports entertainer in all the company, and he came out to no theme music. His theme music was a chorus of boos every single week. That man was the best heel in the entire WWE that has come around in a very long time. And NXT has produced some really good fucking heels, man. Ultimately to be killed by WWE on the main roster. Bobby Roode was another one. Bobby Roode was an amazing, amazing heel. That was some of the best work that Bobby Roode has ever done in his entire career. What he did in NXT. What did they do? They called him up and Vince made him a babyface because he thought people were singing his song. He should be a babyface. 
Meanwhile, that shit doesn't even fucking make sense. It doesn't even register or apply to me. Let the fans be fans. Vince doesn't want wrestling fans to be marks. He hates the marks. That's why he changed it. That's why he changed Shinsuke Nakamura's theme back in the day, too, that a heel theme that we used to listen to when he came out when he was a heel. He didn't want people singing his theme song as a heel. They do now. They reverted back to his original NXT theme. Tommaso Ciampa will be greatly missed. He's probably going to the main rush. He's not going to AEW. I haven't heard anything about Tommaso Ciampa's contract being up. He's not going to AEW. He's not going to Ring of Honor. He's probably going to the main roster. He's probably going to land himself on Monday Night Raw. I don't know what he does. I don't know what he does. You know, there's a rumor going around that Edge is starting a little faction on Monday Night Raw. Do you want to know who I could see in that faction? Damian Priest, number one, because the guy is absolutely directionless right now on the main roster. Imagine a faction of Edge, Damian Priest, Dominic Dijakovic, and Tommaso Ciampa. I think that sounds like a fucking great faction, if you ask me. Or even if you don't even want to add Dijak. Champa. Champa, Priest, and Edge on Monday Night Raw. Guy will be missed, man. He's the remaining heart and soul of NXT. Now gone. And what an emotional moment to see Triple H come out, knowing the brand is not in his hands anymore, to come out and say a final goodbye to one of the best things that Triple H has ever produced in his entire career. Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and their feud for the NXT Championship. One of the best feuds in the entire WWE history are those two guys right there. Spearheaded by Triple H and Shawn Michaels because they looked at Ciampa and Gargano as mirror images of themselves. That's what made it special. The Kree Brothers versus MSK versus Imperium. This is for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Triple threat match. I've been loving the work of the Kree Brothers, man. I didn't like them at first. I thought they were very green. They've molded themselves into a decent little tag team in their young career. I'm liking what I see so far. And with with Malcolm Bivens as their mouthpiece, I think it works beautifully. MSK. I've been a fan of MSK since they came in. The one thing with MSK is I do think that they got pushed a little too fast, a little too hard right from the start. They weren't really given any time to kind of get the feeling of being in NXT. They were in, and then they were automatically at the top of the card. And Imperium. Imperium, to me, are the best tag team in all of WWE, a tag team division that includes the New Day and the Usos. They are the best tag team in all of WWE. WWE thought it was a great thing to change Imperium's theme music. I don't know why. They changed Imperium's theme music. Remember their epic theme music? It was the best theme and the best entrance with all three of them in the WWE. They changed it. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with these people. I don't. Absolutely unnecessary change. It now makes them less than because of the theme music. This shit sounded like some wannabe, epic, generic movie score, and it didn't come off as grand as their old theme music. I don't like it. They changed it. 
Shit like that, unnecessary change like that, pisses me the fuck off. And I'm sure you guys are angry as well. Brutus Creed, Marcel Bartel, and Wesley started this thing off. Brutus tried to use his power. Lee drop kicked him out of the ring. Nash Carter tags in, takes Bartel down. Brutus runs in. Carter fights him off. Bartel forearms Brutus in the chest. Sends him, sends Carter neck first into the middle rope. Viciously. Bartel kicks Carter down and attacks Brutus. Fabian Eichner then tags in. The impressive Fabian Eichner. Julius Creed soon tags in, takes him out. Lee tags in, and the Creed brothers send him flying with a shoulder tackle. Eichner pulls Julius out of the ring, kicks Brutus in the face. Brutus hits Eichner with a slam, and Julius hits Bartel with a belly-to-belly suplex on the floor. Brutus then takes Carter out, starts to punch away at him. Julius tags back in, and MSK hit him with a double-team combo. Bartel is then hit with a double-team backbreaker stomp combo by MSK. Bartel then hits Lee with a diving uppercut. Imperium does some double-team on Julius. Eichner then hits Carter with a scary-looking body slam onto the ropes. Eichner clotheslines Lee, covers, but Carter breaks it up. Imperium went for a double-team move. They collided at ringside, took each other out. MSK gets Eichner in the ring and hits him with dives for a near fall. They all hit a superplex spot on everybody else. Brutus goes to the top, and he hits MSK and Bartel with a cannonball outside on the floor. So you can imagine Brutus balling himself up into a cannonball and jumping off the top rope onto everybody on the outside. So the Creed brothers start to attack Carter. They go for a cover. Julius is pulled out of the ring. Imperium sends him into the ring steps. Brutus is on the apron, but Imperium hits him with the powerbomb uppercut combo on the floor. In the ring, MSK hits Bartel with some wild double-team moves that included a double-team powerbomb, and that was enough to get MSK the win. They are the new tag team champions in NXT. I was actually quite shocked by this. I did not expect MSK to win the tag team championships. I was ultimately going with the Creed brothers. They won the Dusty Cup, and I thought WWE was going to go all in on the Creeds here. That did not happen. MSK is the tag team champions. Don't know what happens to Imperium. Now, you know, Walter or Gunther, you know, he doesn't really belong on this show. He belongs on the main roster for sure. LA Knights, another guy, belongs on the main roster. All these guys have outgrown NXT. Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel, man, get them on the main roster and get them in a program with somebody. New Day, Usos, whoever it is. Let's get them in a program and let them shine. They are too good to be held down in this fucking kiddie pool known as NXT 2.0. But the Creeds, the funny thing about the Creeds is we've been seeing these vignettes on NXT for the last two weeks. One, we saw these men in black wearing cowboy boots destroying the diamond mine training area. And then we got something last week where I believe it was either a New York or a Boston phone number showing up on their telephone saying that they would see the creeds at Stand and Deliver. And we didn't see anything regarding these two mystery guys who are now stalking the Creed brothers. So I wonder why the WWE did not give the creeds the tag team championships. They may be setting something up here where they don't necessarily want the titles involved. And they gave it to MSK. 
But my question is, now with MSK as tag team champions, who are they going to defend the titles against that they haven't already defended the titles against? What other tag teams exist on NXT? Imperium seems to be all but done. Nobody wants to see MSK versus Legado Del Fantasma again. Nobody wants to see MSK defend against Jacket Time. <laughs> Jacket Time. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. So who else is in the tag team division? Same thing with the women's tag team titles. Very weak. The men's not so much, but it used to be so much stronger on NXT. But MSK is your new tag team champions. The Creeds are probably going to move on to who these mystery assailants are. And I can only hope that Imperium gets some sort of shine on the main roster. They're about due. And they deserve to get a nice stage for themselves because, like I said, they are, in my opinion, the best tag team in WWE. Mandy Rose versus Cora Jade versus Kaylee Ray versus Io Shirai. This is for the NXT Women's Championship. Cora Jade had a, a bunch of skateboarders on stage with her skateboarding. So she came out, and, and this to me, listen, I had no problem with Cora Jade. I have no problem with Cora Jade at all. Is she green as fucking grass? Absolutely. She's green as grass. She needs a lot more time to develop in NXT. No way. I didn't think she was ready then when they started to really push her and get her these big spots, when they started to include her in the tag team or the uh, tag team match with Raquel Gonzalez wanting her to be in the Dusty Cup, then they moved her on to the singles championship. Not ready at all. She's not ready. She won't be ready for a very long time. She's 21 years old. Let's get it time to marinate. She was out there, bunch of skateboarding geeks, skateboarding on stage. She comes out. It almost seems like she doesn't skateboard at all. Can anybody really confirm that she's a skateboarder? Or is it just a shtick? Does she really skate? Does she take an interest in skateboarding? She came out and she almost fumbled herself on the skateboard from what it looked like to me. I don't know. I get the girl next door. I get the, the punk rocker vibe that they're going for. But if she isn't a skateboarder, then the gimmick is going to be disingenuous. If she isn't a skateboarder, it's going to be just a shit gimmick with somebody that doesn't know what the fuck that they're doing. I don't know. That's just the way I see it and the vibe I get with Cora Jade and her entrance. So she came out there and everybody else got, you know, regular entrances. Kaylee Ray got an entrance. She's like the new Negan comes out with a fucking uh, a baseball bat that she pulls out of her backpack I don't know whether she's going to fucking win championships and wrestle uh, Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray, uh, Mandy Rose, and Cora Jade in this match. I don't know if she's going into a fucking fatal four-way or if she's going to fight zombies next to fucking Negan leading the saviors on The Walking Dead. Io Shirai made her entrance, usual entrance. Kaylee Ray made her entrance, usual entrance. Cora Jade, skateboarding geeks on the outside. And Mandy Rose had a grand entrance, a great entrance for Mandy Rose. She came down on this Bobby Roode-like podium, and she was coming down, and there was this beautiful CGI of angels' wings behind her as she descended with the smoke, almost like she was descending from heaven because she's a heavenly angel, is Mandy Rose. It's a good one, Bruce. It's a good one, bro. I know where your priorities lie, man. 
You think Mandy is uh, <laughs> heavenly. Bruce Pratchett. Awesome. Really good entrance. Cool stuff there for Mandy Rose. Match started off with all four ladies in this melee brawl. Obviously, these fatal four ways, these multi-person matches all start off the same way. The melee came to an end, and that settled. Focus of the match shifted to Mandy Rose against Cora Jade because Cora Jade and Mandy Rose have been feuding, and Cora Jade's been feuding with Toxic Attraction. So Kaylee Ray almost comes in and wipes out everybody from a dive off the top rope to the floor. Shrai next to take to the air, the genius of the skies. She flies as she moonsaults to the outside. Kaylee Ray and Shirai square off in the ring, one-on-one. And if you are wondering what the NXT Women's Championship match should have been for this show, it should have been this. Kaylee Ray versus Io Shirai for the Women's Championship. Kaylee Ray should have beat Mandy Rose, and Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai should have been the one-on-one match for the Women's Championship. So they square off in the ring, and this is what I wanted to see. Clearly, with these two in the ring only, it improves the match because we see less of Mandy Rose and less of Cora Jade. Missile dropkick by Shirai on Kaylee Ray, but Rose breaks up a pinning attempt by Shirai. Kaylee Ray catches Rose in a submission hold. Shirai applies the Texas Cloverleaf on Jade at the same time, so we get the double submission moves in the middle of the ring. Jade got some time to shine. She ran wild on Mandy Rose. Kaylee Ray takes a Canadian destroyer from Cora Jade on the ring apron as she falls to the outside. Shirai takes out Jade with a Tiger faint kick to the back and then hits Rose with a missile drop kick followed by a German suplex for a very close near fall. EO almost won the title. So we see a Spanish fly by EO Shirai. A little bit after that, she plants Mandy Rose on the top rope. Spanish fly off the top rope by Io Shirai on Mandy Rose. Jade comes off the top rope in the 11th hour to break up that pinfall by Io to do a senton to break up the pin attempt. Jade then hits a slice bread, sloppy, but hits a slice bread and a double arm DDT, which looked great. So she got the DDT right, the slice bread not so much. Kaylee Ray jumps in to break up that pin attempt on Mandy Rose. Gory bomb by Kaylee Ray on Jade. Kaylee Ray climbs to the top rope. Io Shirai shoves Kaylee Ray off the top rope, and Shirai hits her moonsault on Jade, about to win the title. Shirai went for the cover, yet Rose rushed in, booted Io in the head. She then cradles Shirai to get the upset victory in this match and retains... The NXT Women's Championship. Io Shirai came close a couple of times, but WWE has decided to keep the title on Mandy Rose. I am surprised. I am very surprised that we got Mandy Rose retaining the Women's Championship tonight. Why did Mandy Rose retain the Women's Championship? Cora Jade's not ready. Cora Jade is not ready, folks. No matter how much you love Cora Jade and you love the girl next door, Cora Jade is not ready, man. She is green as fucking the dollar bills that sit on my desk next to me. She's not ready. You can't strap a rocket to somebody that's not ready and then expect people to actually legitimately care about them and believe in them. I don't think anybody believes in fucking little tiny Cora Jade beating Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray for the fucking NXT Women's Championship. She's not ready. Will she be ready? I hope so. This division needs new, fresh faces. I hope she's coming along. And maybe when she's not 21 years old or 22 years old, however fucking old she is, when she's maybe 25, 26, maybe she'll be ready for a legitimate run 
as champion. Can't give a title to somebody because she's got a pretty face. Doesn't work around here. Mandy Rose is a pretty face, but she's much more well-seasoned than Cora Jade. Let's be real. Cora Jade not ready. Io Shirai, she's the old guard, man. She's black and gold. They're not going to give a black and gold a new championship run, right? Nah. Kaylee Ray, the same thing. Kaylee Ray, the same thing. She's black and gold as well. She's been in NXT UK for how long now? Longest reigning NXT UK champion of all time there. She's a Triple H girl. So is Io. They're not winning the championships. They're not going to go back and give the old guard the championships. They're not going to do that. Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose. Is going to lose the championship to Nikita Lyons. That's my, that's my choice. That's my prediction. Now, there was a rumor. And I want to address this because... Alexa Bliss has been very vocal about not being used on television. You know, it would absolutely not shock me at all to see Alexa Bliss go back to NXT and do exactly what Mandy Rose did and win the NXT Women's Championship. I could see this happening just now as I'm talking about it. There's rumors about Alexa being unhappy, Alexa complaining why she's not on TV. Why is Alexa Bliss, who they brought back to TV, who they did therapy sessions with, who they put in the Elimination Chamber match at the pay-per-view for the shot at Becky Lynch at WrestleMania? They put her in a wrestling match. She's clearly ready to go. She's cleared. I could see Alexa Bliss going back to NXT and going back to the goddess. Like she sheds all this fucking dark lily bullshit, goes back to NXT and does a different take on the goddess Alexa Bliss, reinvents herself, wins the NXT Women's Championship, and then Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction get called up to the main roster. Because I don't see them down there for, for the duration of their time there. I don't see them down there forever. Clearly, they're going to get called up to the main roster. But I could see that happen on NXT. And why do you think that they would do that? Look at the landscape. Look at the landscape of NXT. Dolph Ziggler is the NXT champion. And Mandy Rose currently is the women's champion. They are not afraid to give main roster talent an NXT championship. They're not. All they care about is ratings. They know they're never going to accumulate the ratings that they want and the ratings that USA Network need with the fucking talent that they got there that's barely ready for television. They're going to give it to Alexa Bliss. They're going to give it to Dolph Ziggler. That's why we saw Rey Mysterio on there with Dominic. That's why we saw AJ Styles there. They could tell you all they want. That, oh yeah, it was my idea for NXT. No, it wasn't. You have no fucking say in anything you want to do here. With Bruce and Vince? No way. No way. They need ratings, and they're going to choose whoever is available and not really in anything important on the main roster to go back down there and aid NXT because they don't believe in the fucking talent. They know the talent's not ready there, and they're going to rely on the main roster to generate interest and a buzz in ratings for Tuesday night because they don't know any other way to get the ratings. That's what they're going to do. So if you see Alexa Bliss on Tuesday night, you heard it here first. Guarantee it. 
Guarantee it. Now, if they want to go with somebody who's generating buzz and they want somebody that's clearly everybody's taking a very much a, a very a, a, a liking to is Nikita Lyons for obvious reasons. I don't have to tell you why everybody loves Nikita Lyons, right? I could see Nikita Lyons being brought up and fast-tracked and she's much more progressed than Cora Jade. So I could see Nikita Lyons beating Mandy Rose for the Women's Championship if they didn't want to go the Alexa Bliss route. Looks like she's going to be the next big baby face on NXT. I could see them fast-tracking her too. There is nobody else. EO, great, main roster. Kaylee Ray, she's not going to do anything on Bruce's NXT. None. Nothing there for Kaylee Ray. Cora Jade, not ready. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, tag team champions. Who else is there? There is nobody else. Everybody else that's there is worse and less than Cora Jade. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's my prediction there. Either Alexa Bliss or Nikita Lyons. But I see it more so being Alexa Bliss and then Nikita Lyons coming and getting fast-tracked after that when she's a little bit more seasoned. Gunther. It pained me to hear Walter come out to anything but his original theme. He didn't even, he, it almost felt like he didn't even want to be there. He's like, what the fuck am I doing? They changed my name. They changed my fucking theme music. I am less than what I was when Triple H was in charge. Unnecessary change. L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight's my boy, bro. Get this guy on the main roster. Make money with him on the main roster. Put him on SmackDown. Put L.A. Knight on SmackDown. Now. This guy is primed and ready. Outgrown NXT fucking 12 months ago is is L.A. Knight. I was looking forward to this match, man. I wasn't really expecting a fucking classic. But I was looking forward to it because Walter is fucking great. And so is L.A. Knight. Match started off with a... Standard lockup. The reason why these two are fighting, by the way, is because Walter or Gunther thinks that LA Knight is using his manipulative ways, his negotiating tactics, his promo to get title shots when he doesn't deserve it. He feels like LA Knight doesn't respect the mat. Walter wants to work for what he gets. He wants to earn it. He feels like L.A. Knight is not about earning, and he cheats his way to getting what he wants. That's why we're here. Match started off with some standard lockups. L.A. Knight slapped Walter. Clearly, you do not slap Gunther. Should I call him Walter or Gunther, man? I don't know. It's like I'm talking about three different fucking people. Gunther. We'll stick with the fucking uh, the program. Gunther. He slapped Gunther. He got very angry. I don't know why you would do such a thing. Action spilled to the outside. Walter taking L.A. Knight. There I am, Walter. We're just going to call him Walter, okay? Walter. Fucking Bruce Pritchard, man. You believe this shit? Gunther. Who the fuck names him Gunther? Walter. Taking L.A. Knight. Power bombs him on the apron. This was pretty much the turning point for Walter in this match. Most of Walter's offense really focused on L.A. Knight's back. After the power bomb on the apron, LA and I tried to power back. Walter chopped him down, and then he applied a Boston Crab. He transitioned into a crossface. Nicely done there by Walter. LA and I tried to make a comeback again. Huge shot by Walter, but somehow LA Knight got back up. Slingshot shoulder tackle by LA Knight takes Walter down, and then an homage to Stone Cold Steve Austin stomping a mud hole 
and Walter in the corner. Walter tried to come back, missed the clothesline. L.A. Knight with a power slam followed up by a rock-style people's elbow. Both men now on the top rope. Walter chops Knight down. Knight leaps from the mat up to the top rope and delivers a beautiful superplex on Walter down to the mat. Very impressive to see a guy not only jump from the mat to the top rope, but then in one fluid motion superplex, a guy the size of Walter, beautifully executed, man. Excellent spot by L.A. Knight and Walter on that one. Walter went right back for the chops after he got up, right into a sleeper hold on L.A. Knight. Somehow Knight battled out. Walter, uh, he was on L.A. Knight's shoulders, and he delivered a burning fucking hammer to Walter. It's not as devastating as the way it should be executed, but it was a burning hammer nonetheless, or a reverse Death Valley driver, if you want to call it that, but it looked it looked like a burning hammer to me. Near fall there by LA Knight. Knight is now on the top rope. Walter met him up there with more chops to the chest, chops to the back. Then Walter absolutely fucking drives the soul out of LA Knight with a fucking brutal clothesline Flipping him over, knocking him into the ring. L.A. Knight laid on his back, and Walter comes off the top rope with his very scary big splash, and that was it. One, two, three, and that was it for L.A. Knight. Goodbye, SmackDown, here comes L.A. Knight. I don't know what they do with Walter, man. I don't know what they do with Walter. He is, these are two guys that have outgrown the brand. I don't want Walter on the main roster because I know what to uh, expect with Walter on the main roster. They, they would bury this guy beyond recognition. Along with Imperium. Imperium will be chasing fucking R-Truth around for the 24-7 title. Walter will be sitting in the fucking crowd while Tamina Snuka and fucking uh, Akira Tozawa get married. It's exactly what's going to happen to them. I don't want to see them there. I wish Walter would fucking have his contract expired and he'd show up in Tony Khan's promotion tomorrow. That's what I want. I don't expect anything to happen good with these guys. Meanwhile, I think Walter and Roman Reigns would be a perfect program to generate some fucking buzz on SmackDown. Imperium versus the Bloodline, man. It writes itself. It sells itself. No, but WWE's not going to do anything close to that. No way. I don't know what Walter does. He may stay down there for a little bit. I could see who we saw tonight lose. Carmelo Hayes, I could see on the main roster. Braun Breaker, I could see on the main roster. We'll talk about him in a second. Io Shirai, I could see on the main roster. She's also outgrown this brand. There's going to be call-ups. Who they are and when they're going to happen, I don't know. So we'll see what happens. Walter gets the victory over LA Knight. Very good match. It was short. It was exactly the time it was supposed to be. Quick, painless, and brutal. Good stuff. Good stuff. Braun Breaker versus Dolph Ziggler for the NXT Championship. Braun Breaker came out first. Obviously, he's the challenger. Came out first, and on the stage, there are these individual letters. It says NXT. They're not the black and gold NXT. They are in the colorful new scheme of NXT 2.0. So he had a chainsaw and he, because it's in Texas and they figured they'd be funny with the Texas chainsaw massacre, right? Oh yeah, you massacred NXT. What are you trying to tell me, Bruce? 
What are you trying to tell me, Bruce? You massacred NXT. I know. I know. There's always a hidden message behind everything you do, bro. I know. He's there with a chainsaw because they're in Texas. And he cut down the middle of the X in NXT and kicked it away as he made his way to the ring. It wasn't as bad or egregious as him destroying the black and gold when he beat Champa for the title. That fucking shit angered me. So Dolph Ziggler came out with Bobby Roode. No special entrance for Dolph. He just came out, just regular old Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I still don't understand the need to give Dolph Ziggler the NXT championship. I don't get it. But why did we need to give Dolph Ziggler the NXT championship? It doesn't make sense to me. Now, I- I've been saying this for weeks. If Braun Breaker went into this show, this event, Stand and Deliver as champion, I, I don't think it made any difference. Ziggler being the champion did not enhance Braun Breaker whatsoever. It made no difference in Braun Breaker's presentation at all. I said it, it would have been the same thing if Braun Breaker came in as champion and Ziggler was the challenger. Breaker already had, this is what WWE doesn't understand, this is what the fucking stupid fans on social media don't understand. They think I'm complaining. You only get one opportunity. He won his first title with less than 20 matches. You already gave him his crowning moment at New Year's Evil. That was it. You gave him his one token title, his first title run, right? And what did you do with it? You wasted it. You can't redo that. You can't take it back and do it again. It's already been done. It's already been done. It doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't make Brom Breaker any more special. That's just what I think of the situation. Breaker and Ziggler went at it. Ziggler was in control for a little bit. Breaker quickly took advantage. Multiple belly-to-belly overhead suplexes on Ziggler. Breaker looked calm. He looked collected. He looked like he was going to coast to an NXT championship. He yelled immediately within three minutes, it's done. He was going to finish Dolph right away. He was looking to finish Ziggler off. Robert Roode grabbed his leg underneath the rope. Referee saw it, kicked Bobby Roode out. All while Ziggler removed a middle turnbuckle behind the referee's back as he was obviously kicking Bobby Roode out. This was all one big master plan for Dolph Ziggler, man. The veteran knows what he's doing. So when Bobby Roode kicked out, he tried to take advantage and Breaker right back to the suplexes on Dolph. Breaker went up top. Ziggler slipped out. Crotch breaker on the top rope. Neck breaker off the top by Dolph. He goes for his first cover. Gets a two counts on Braun. At one point, Ziggler was in control. He slowed the match down. Breaker tried to go back up top. Ziggler tripped him up again. And the back of his head, as he was on the top, he slipped off the top rope. Or Dolph tripped him up. Landed on the back of his head on the top turnbuckle. He maintained control, did Dolph with this slower pace for a little bit, maintaining headlocks and doing the sleeper hold. Shoulder tackles, more suplexes by Breaker to create some space and maybe come back. Tilt the world slam, goes for a cover, gets a near fall. He goes up top to his Breaker. He's been up top for a couple of times. So he was up there with an idea in mind and he finally got it. He had a huge Frankensteiner off the top rope, goes for a near fall, only gets a two count. Breaker then delivered a spear 
His first spear of the match legitimately snapped Ziggler in half. I got to shout out Dolph on this, man. Dolph sold these spears tonight like a million bucks. He snapped Ziggler in half. Ziggler's neck snapped back selling these, these spears, man. Great shit by Dolph. Ziggler timed a super kick. Breaker countered. Another devastating spear again on Dolph. That's number two. Gorilla press into a power slam. He goes for the cover. Bobby Roode comes out again after being kicked out. Pulled Ziggler out of the pinning combination. And no DQ. The referee was just standing there watching Bobby Roode legitimately break the rules. No mention or motion of a DQ. Nothing. I get that some referees are going to let a match like this, the main event, the title match, they're going to let this shit go because they want a clear-cut winner. But holy fucking shit, why even bother having the rules? Why? It looked ridiculous. Breaker now back in the ring. He gets a famous done to him by Dolph. Zigzag by Dolph. Great near fall. I legitimately thought that was the end of the match. So he kicks out of a famous and a zigzag. Ziggler now goes up top. Drops a massive elbow drop. Goes for a cover. Breaker kicks out again. Ziggler setting up another super kick. Tuning up the Shawn Michaels band. Breaker was up. He was up before he even finished tuning the band. Standing there. He, sto- he stood there and stared a hole in Dolph Ziggler. So he's staring at Ziggler. Clothesline to Dolph. A third spear. Gorilla press. And in the gorilla press, Dolph raked the eye. He slips out and he shoves Braun into the exposed turnbuckle from earlier in the match, head first, zigzag, one, two, three, and Dolph Ziggler retains the NXT championship. The crowd was a little lukewarm for Braun Breaker early in the match. After the great near falls later in the match, they started to come alive and wanted to see him overcome Dolph. When Dolph won the championship match and retained the title, the crowd instantly became deflated. Braun Breaker did not capture the NXT championship. After all these weeks, after all this time, a couple of main roster appearances as well, Dolph Ziggler retains the NXT championship. Why? Why did Dolph Ziggler retain the championship? If Braun Breaker was going to win the championship, Braun Breaker was going to win the championship WrestleMania weekend with his fucking father going into the Hall of Fame. So I don't know why they did not do it now. Now was the best time to do it. But it goes back to what I've been saying for weeks. It goes back to what I've been saying. It made no difference. You already gave him his one NXT championship. He beat Champ at New Year's Evil. You already had Braun Breaker destroy the black and gold logo. You had him shit and piss all over the NXT black and gold colors. He beat Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa, who is now the heart and soul of NXT, gone. So what point did it make for Braun Breaker to drop the title to Ziggler only to give it back to him WrestleMania weekend when he already got his NXT championship run? It doesn't make sense. So I proved to be right again. So why did Dolph Ziggler beat Braun Breaker? Because Braun Breaker is getting called up to the main roster. Is he ready? Certainly looks ready to me. Is he ready in the eyes of the people who watch this show on a regular basis? Is he ready 
in the eyes of, say, myself? No, he's not. But he's got the makings of a great superstar. Braun Breaker has the makings of a WWE superstar. He doesn't need to do anything more than what he's done. Bruce sees it. Vince sees it. Everything that you've seen from Braun Breaker has been done meticulously for a reason, for a purpose. He does not need to do anything else than what you've already seen Braun Breaker do. To them, that's more than enough to get him over and more than enough to get him ready for the main roster. And who's going to make them more money on the main roster? Aging veteran Dolph Ziggler? Or young, youthful, 26-year-old Braun Breaker? I think the answer is pretty simple, folks. Ziggler's staying in NXT because there's no use for him on the main roster. And Braun Breaker is going to be the new face of WWE in six months. Six to 12 months, Braun Breaker is going to be a legit superstar on the main roster. He's getting called up. That's the only logical reason as to why this man lost the championship. NXT Stand and Deliver was a decent show. The best NXT show under the 2.0 era. But questionable decisions. Matches that, that, that to me felt main roster-esque and really nothing overly exciting about anything on the show outside of Triple H and Tommaso Ciampa, who honestly are the remaining pieces of what is and what was NXT 1.0. They got some great talent down there, man. Don't get me wrong. But it's not going to elicit the excitement that Triple H once gave us with NXT 1.0. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the NXT Stand and Deliver post show. We got WrestleMania coming up, man. I got to get myself ready for WrestleMania. It's almost uh, pre-show time for WrestleMania, so I got to get myself ready. Let's get through these Super Chats, man. I want to thank you guys so very much for joining me here. 1,700 people in the venue. Thank you. 810 likes. Thank you. Everybody that's in the chat, if you have not hit the thumbs up, Please make sure you guys hit that thumbs up right now. We need a thousand minimum on today's NXT Stand and Deliver post show. Super chats are open. Get them on in. Hit that join button. Become a VIP right here on the OTS podcast on YouTube. Channel member. Sit VIP with me. You guys know the deal, man. You guys know the deal. Let's get into these Super Chats and start off at the top. We had a 50 bomb before we even got into the venue. Tonight by Real Metalhead 21, who donated 100 last night during the Ring of Honor show. $50 Super Chat. Thank you so much, brother. I don't know how I'm going to watch WrestleMania after last night's Supercard of Honor was my WrestleMania. I'll take a peanut butter whiskey. Thank you so much, man. We got that peanut butter whiskey flowing for everybody tonight in the venue. All day, man. All day and all night for WrestleMania weekend. We got Sean Crockett with a $20 super chat. Love to watch you, JD. I never catch you live. I'm up so early, I crash early. I acknowledge you, my IWC Tribal Chief. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you, Sean Crockett, with the $20 Super Chat. I'm glad you're able to catch me this uh, this afternoon, bro. Always great. 
Esato Fortune with a Canadian $5 Super Chat. I don't get it. We have new guys like Theory pinning veteran champs clean like Finn and Ricochet. But an NXT Mandy and Dolph pin the new generation. I don't know, man. WWE seems to think it's going to get the young talent over if the old guard or the veterans continue to win. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. We got a 25 in Super Chat by Gabriel Boss. JD, do you think any of the women's matches tonight can steal the show like Sasha and Bianca did last year or Cody and Seth will steal their thunder? None of the women's matches are going to be particularly good tonight. Maybe Bianca and Becky, but even then I'm not interested. Not interested whatsoever. John R. with a $5 super chat. What is the point of NXT 2.0? I have no idea, brother. No idea. How are you building and developing new stars when you have two main roster vets as your top champions? It's a good question, John R. Something that I posed a couple of times in this very podcast tonight. I don't know. Rich Gamble becomes a member. Thank you so much, brother. You're sitting VIP with me back there, bro. What are you drinking tonight? Simply the Pope becomes a new member. Yo, Pope. Thank you so much, man. What are you drinking tonight? And we got my boy Big Hodge. Big Hodge Media, man. In the chat. This fucking guy. Sorry I missed your phone call earlier, brother. I, I, I've been fucking sleep-deprived and busy, man. If I showed you the fucking notes I take, uh, I took for this show, man. I gotta wake up and bury my head in this fucking shit. Barely even had breakfast. Thank you so much, brother. He leaves a $20 super chat. Go follow Big Hodge on his YouTube channel, man. Vlogs, tech, lifestyle, all done by my boy Big Hodge, man. Shot professionally better than anything. $20 super chat, he says, season two. Critiques and connoisseurs, man. Coming back, season two. When we get that ball rolling, man, you guys will know. You guys will know, man. Pretty much all I got for you guys, man. I got to get out of here. I got to get ready for WrestleMania. I got to hop in the shower. I got to make dinner. I got to eat. I got to watch this fucking... What's looking like... A dumbass version of SmackDown. Disguised as WrestleMania. It's ridiculous, man. Hey, yo, Jesse. Jesse, I know you watch NXT tonight, bro. Don't give me no lip. Make sure the venue is stocked for later, man. I'm expecting five large in the venue, okay? And you better show up to work, man. Don't be late. East is in Dallas. We got nobody serving the drinks. Yo, real metalhead. With another $50 super chat. Oh, my goodness. Looking forward to seeing who Seth's opponent is. I see people saying Bray Wyatt was rumored. I don't know, man. We'll find out tonight. We'll find out tonight, man. I'll tell you that. Don't lie to me, Jesse. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed the live stream. Thank you for all the super chats. 
I'm gonna need you guys to show up. I need you guys to show up later, man. It's gonna be a big deal, WrestleMania. Night one review right here on Off The Script. I'm gonna save my intro, or my outro rather, for, for later. I'm not, I'm not even gonna play pilot. I'm just gonna leave you with some Chris McKean, man. Some Evermore. I'm gonna get out of here. But let me see those guitar emojis for my boy Chris McKean in the chat, man. And I'll see you guys later tonight. For WrestleMania night one, immediately after the show is over. I appreciate you guys very much. It's been a great weekend so far. And I will see you all later tonight for WrestleMania night one live from the OTS venue. I'll see you guys later.